podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Francis Hickmott, the author of Journey to Joy, How to Overcome Life's Setbacks to Create a Life You Love. Through a rocky emotional start in life, Francis discovered that the ability to connect with others and provide a listening and non-judgmental ear is highly valued. Since then, she has come to understand the immense opportunity that is within each of us to become so much more than what we believe we can be. With a strong employment background in both the corporate and nonprofit sectors, specializing in writing, teaching, collaboration, and events, Frances brings a unique sense of understanding to her message. Always armed with current research, she connects with her audiences through the power of story and lived experiences. Frances didn't learn the power of self-leadership from her family, but rather through her interactions with others on her journey. Now she shares this knowledge with others through professional speaking, mentoring and coaching, writing and consulting. Her mission is to help people at the beginning of their spiritual journey to answer their soul's yearning for creating greater connection and meaning in whatever form they choose. Through a blend of moving stories, Francis's book, Journey to Joy, reveals practical guidance, personal memoir, and tools to answer the question, who do you choose to be? Drawing on her own search for understanding, a restlessness, and a lack of purpose, Frances shares the impact of growing up within a household of high-functioning alcoholism, emotional abuse, and bullying. Covering experiences more common than many of us wish to admit, this is a book of hope, of finding your way, and ultimately creating a life of meaning and joy. Frances recently launched the Global Self-Leadership Summit, hosting 24 self-leadership experts from all over the world. This collection of one-on-one interviews share resources and stories and provide the tools and steps to set out on a new path towards lasting success. To learn more about Frances and her work, please visit francisfound.com. Here is the interview with Frances Hickmott. In your own words, who is Frances Hickmott? Hmm, an evolution. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all? Yes. I love that answer. Very simple. Hmm. What kind of evolution? Personal, human evolution, spiritual evolution? 
all of it, really. I would say that I grew up not really knowing who I was. I certainly grew up in a, was, it was very interesting because I had a very strong mom who I just respect so much. And yet she was constrained by her time and in her marriage and uh, within what society uh, said could be. And likewise, so was I. So I was raised in a very, you know, patriarchal uh, family and religion. I think like so many of your listeners, I had to go through something of a dark night of the soul in order to uh, really transcend that. And that's never fun. (laughs) (laughs) Never fun but always enlightening on the other side. So it's been a personal transformation. It's been a spiritual transformation and that willingness and desire to continue to evolve on every level Mm. as much as I can. Wonderful. Thank you, Francis. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Journey to Joy, How to Overcome Life Setbacks to Create a Life You Love, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what is life to you? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's a huge question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'll take it back to, I guess, more to the spiritual side of it. And we're all uh, spiritual uh, beings choosing to have a human experience. So uh, life is uh, a series of experiences from which to express my spirituality. What do you think is the opposite of life? Uh, gosh, you're, you have great questions. <laughs> <laughs> you might have been told that a time or two. I would say the opposite of life is when we stop growing. That resonates. And my other question related to life is, what do you think is the purpose of this human experience? Is there a destination? Because I believe that we're all connected on various planes of existence, I think it is about creating impact at whatever plane we're we're on. I think it's about I think we can make a difference in the smallest in the smallest and the greatest uh, places. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but the purpose is making a difference. Mm. And that leads me to the next question about joy. What is joy to you? Fully expressing our talents and gifts. There was a few times when I was writing the book, and I remember quite vividly one day I, I, so I work from home like so many people, well, more people now than ever. (laughs) Uh, But I finished my breakfast and was coming up to my office space, and I vividly recall stopping on the stairs and thinking, I am so filled with contentment and happiness and just joyfulness, really. And so joyfulness isn't, it's quite different than happiness, I think, because it's in the moment, but not necessarily, you're not necessarily joyful all the time. And uh, so joy for me is in the moment, feeling that that absolute connection to your divine self. They are just words, but this state of joy, yet it does, it seems to be connected to something that is now 
external. It's something that's not out there. It's here. It has been here. Right. So it's excess in the place within, oh, connecting with it. Yeah. Very much. That resonates. Yeah. Let me ask you this question, because that relates to your work already. What is self-leadership? Self-leadership, and there's probably as many answers as people that you will ask this question of, but to me, self-leadership is really about the ability to formulate a vision and um, an idea of what you want for your life, and then setting out some of the path, because you never know the whole thing ever, Um, but the courage to step on the path. Uh, towards uh, bringing that vision to life. That makes me think about self-awareness, self-knowledge, self-love even. Yeah, it's all connected. And when you're missing pieces of those, as I certainly was for a very long time, it's very difficult to lead yourself if if you struggle to create that vision. The next two questions, they relate to being a female in a human body. (laughs) So the first one is, what do you love the most about being a woman? Oh, you know, I love I love that question because um, part of my evolution has been accepting myself as a woman, as seeing myself as as a woman I was really lost for a long, a long time and felt more an observer than a participant in my life and as a woman. And so what do I love? I really love the experience of connecting with other women on a deep level that we so often want to connect on, where we can really dive into topics and pull them apart and and accept our intuition, accept that uh, inner knowing. Yeah, that's for me. And I, I don't, anyways, that's my answer. Yes, connecting deeply the way we've always wanted with other women, right? That wisdom. Yes. Ah, oh, yes. And then my other question is, what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? I would say pushing through the constraints that have been placed on us culturally and societally. There's just so many stories that have been given to us that aren't ours. <laughs> so it's it's really about uh, creating our own stories of our, our, our worth, of our capacity, of our gifts, of our strength, where they weren't always seen as being strengths. And my... Other questions about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Choice. Yeah, choice. I would, and I would say, you know, I know that's a a broad, uh, perhaps a broad term, but I think for for any of us, whether it's choosing the life that we live, whether it's choosing what's right for our body, uh, whether it's a choice of uh, who we love or how we love them, uh, choice of how we live. It's all about choice. I agree. Again, I love your wisdom already. <laughs> well, thank you. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Holy cow. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> I think one of the biggest desires that people have is to be seen. And I think my view of what could make this, this world spectacular is to really allow ourselves to see other people and to be seen, to be seen for who we are, to be seen for um, who we can be, and for people to have that opportunity of choice. Yeah. Yes, a thousand times. I love your answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk to a lot of people, so that's that's a real compliment because I'm I know how many conversations you have with lots and lots of very wise uh, people. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Francis. What is love to you? I think love is an expression at any given time of acceptance of who we are knowing that who we are is going to change. Mm. Yes, so true. There's something, a question that I often ask pretty much all of my guests lately. Unconditional self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I think it's great to aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think it's difficult in the execution. I often hear the word, it's a great idea and I believe in it, but that's a practice for life. Yeah, it totally is. I, I think uh, every time we rub up against something that makes us uncomfortable, uh, resistance flows and uh, and then you have to stop and be the observer of that thought. So unconditional self-love, a great thing to aspire to for sure. What is your understanding and idea of peace? I think there is a peace is acceptance. I think you find peace within yourself when you can accept what is. And it doesn't mean that you're not um, looking for more growth or more change, but there is, and it comes back around to self-love, I think, accepting what is right now with a recognition that there's still more to do. Yeah, I love the way you say that. That makes sense. And I love the way you connected the word peace to inner peace. I think I had one of my guests who said that it is possible to love unconditionally somebody else before we can love ourselves unconditionally. I perhaps had one person only to say that. Uh, that was her process. That's how she came to love herself unconditionally. Well, that's interesting. I know. It was very interesting to me, too. I recall reading, and I wish I could remember, but it was... Essentially, um, you're only able to give as much love as you're actually able to accept for yourself. Mm. And that resonated for me. Right. Oh, wow. So that's a different perspective. Another one. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> I love these conversations. <laughs> one more question. What, where, and who is God to you? Well, God is everywhere. Source energy, uh, what whatever you choose or to call God, and God is within us. God, God truly is everywhere. So hence the the connectedness. Why I go to nature to be grounded is because God is there. Um, but God is also in small children, and God is in the elderly, and God is everywhere. Yes. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? 
hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Uh, yes. So I would say that religion is about rules and a particular way of being. And spirituality is really about that uh, connectedness and that uh, sense that really spirituality pulls in when you look at all the major religions, they have the major uh, common rules, if you will. I think spirituality just pulls them all together and says, this is the way that that uh, we're meant to be without the confines of looking a certain way or um, practicing in a certain way. But yes, I do see them as being quite different. The spirituality seems to give us more choices or that freedom that you spoke of earlier. Mm -hmm. This section is about your work. So my first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer, Francis? Uh, you know what? It's so funny you should say that because um, for a long time, I didn't see myself as a writer. But really, I started when I was a child. So, you know, when you're eight or nine years old and we didn't get an allowance, um, but I would want to give birthday gifts. And so I would write stories for my siblings and I just ripped them, you know, not they <laughs> stories, but they were stories. Right. Uh, or I would write uh, like poems for my my friends if they were doing something that I thought was uh, that I wanted to mark. Um, but I never really saw myself as a writer. I honestly just, as is so often the case, we don't see that as a gift because we mistakenly think that everyone can do that. But I've been writing for, for a very long time, but only just um, started to claim it. <laughs> yeah, that leads to my next question about your book. What was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Journey to Joy? The writing was easy. The book was hard because I had to give myself permission to write about some really difficult things. And there was a few times I almost stopped. And then, then the overriding reason was I, I wanted to give people a sense of um, hope, uh, a sense that they aren't alone. I wanted to talk about some things that we don't talk about very much. Many of us grew up in, in alcoholic households. Um, but we one of my real things that I wanted to uncover was the, to begin with, in the first section of the book, I talk about the adult effects of childhood bullying. I had no idea that that it would compromise so much of my life. And so the the reason behind it was I wanted people to know that if their life wasn't where they wanted it to be, that there's always an opportunity to change if you're willing to to step in and really decide that that's uh, important to you. So true. Yeah, that's a wonderful message to share with everyone. That's interesting. When we think we are there, we have to think again. <laughs> Talk to me for a moment about your journey to joy. It really, you know, it really was about getting brave enough. When we, when we talk about courage, we so often think of it as uh, bigger than life, right? The big Hollywood screen, the, you know, uh, amazing uh, acts. 
but individual courage comes from the willingness again to to really look at at what is and then choosing something different even if you don't know what that looks like so it has been the willingness to see that there's a a possibility out there that is different than what I was living and opening up to the unknown. And it's been transformational. So what would you say is one of the first steps in trusting the unknown? Um, I really think it's, it, it, again, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It, it can be the smallest thing. It can be, what do they say for your memory? <laughs> Take a different route to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's simple. Uh, reference. <laughs> um, it can be uh, trying uh, trying something that you have decided that you're no good at. It's about willingness to be a beginner again and uh, recognizing that, you know, like I imagine that when you started uh, doing these interviews, how that that they've evolved with you that the kinds of interviews that you did on day one are quite different than they are now true yeah that's about stepping into the unknown you probably have a whole lot of skills now a whole lot of knowledge now that you didn't have then but you stepped into this so true yeah and it was very scary in the beginning (laughs) oh my god yeah it is scary (laughs) people don't know that they just they hear you they hear these amazing questions um, they look at all the amazing people that you've spoken to and they think, wow, this woman's got it all together. And she always has. And that's the mistake that people make. Right. Because we all start out as beginners and typically being scared of what we're stepping into, but willing to take the first step. My questions are focused on the chapter seven. So finding your way. And I love what you said about doing what you enjoy. Yeah, you said start with what you enjoy. So we'll get to it in the moment, but that resonated so much because that's true. We can't live life just doing things because other people enjoy what we do. It's about us having that I call heart fun, (laughs) spiritual fun. (laughs) So the heart's happy. I'll have a lot of questions for you here because you made so many interesting points, things that I never talk to anyone about or never thought about. And that's one of my first questions here. The difference between change and transition. I never thought about this. Yeah, talk to me about it, Francis. So transition, I, I think of it as that, that really messy middle part, that really uncomfortable part that we want to just get through. Yeah, <laughs> all, all, the pieces, all the pieces that are really uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> And yet it is that process, it is the discomfort, it is the not knowing, it is the uncertainty and the doubt where we keep stepping up and we keep saying yes. And then, so the the change, we don't see that in ourselves, but you kind of know it when you're through it. The person I am now is certainly not the person I was five years ago. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to say the exact same thing in another five years. But transition, transition is the part that we want to skip because it's really crappy. True. <laughs> and that's so true. And most of us do. And that's the danger, I guess, right? 
to avoid the being uncomfortable, we just skip that part. What are some <laughs> of your suggestions so we don't do that? <laughs> so it is about trying those new things. And it is really, uh, and you know, when I keep learning this part, that resistance is like this huge signpost that says, this is the way you need to go. Mm. Like you you want to do a U-turn because it's, it's really uncomfortable <laughs> and there's like lots of other things that we could do so we don't have to do that thing that we've, and that feeling of, of fear or it's not even, you don't even always recognize it as fear, but suddenly, you know, you, you clean off your desk and this is a really great time to file your papers and all these other things instead of doing that one thing. So yeah, resistance is a big, a big sign that you need to walk that way because that's where the real change happens. And that is connect. So resistance that it's connected to fear. I'm wondering if that has something to do with the subconscious mind. Oh, 100%. It does, right? Wow. <laughs> So how do we uncover that? Do you uh, recommend some form of therapy, hypnotherapy or energy work or something like that? It's always about deepening your your spiritual practices. And uh, so I'm working more on breath work, um, certainly engaging more in meditation and tapping back into my inner knowing. And then it it is literally about taking the first step. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so resistance can also feel like overwhelm, like you don't know where to start. And so then you do nothing. So sometimes it's simply asking myself, what is the first thing that I can do? Like just tune everything else out. What's the what's the first thing? So, you know, as I said in my book, um, it's easy enough to to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. I've never written a book. Well, you you start by writing. <laughs> There's something interesting. You said being in transition is being in a state of decision making. Yes. So yeah, this is challenging. How do we know when we have made the best or the right decision? What are the signs? <laughs> oh, you're looking for certainty. <laughs> oh, that's the mind, right? Most likely. Yeah. It, it really is. But typically, you know, it comes back to self-trust, right? And so, because the worst thing in transition is just like you can you can keep yourself there for a long time by not making decisions, except of course, if when you not making a decision is making a decision, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. which is a little bit convoluted. But it is a series of of making decisions. And you just at some point have to trust that, um, you know, you're you're doing the best with what you know at that time. I love the trust component. That's very important. It really is. Yeah, I agree. And there's something else that you talked about that I have to ask you transitioning from is this it a question to this is it talk to me about that francis you can get to different parts of your life hopefully hopefully not as maybe as many as i did but you never know um where you kind of sit back and go like is this is this it is is this you know everything that i'm supposed to be doing or accomplishing 
And and for so for me, that question was a point of dissatisfaction. Like I really felt like there was something more in me to be expressed, um, more in the world for me to make an impact. And I had no idea what that was going to be. But I just really felt that inner push that there was more for me to do than what I had expressed in my life at that point. And then as you are willing to step up to that and willing to um, embrace trying new things and being uncertain and being scared and feeling resistance, that as you come through to that other side, you go, this is it. So for me, it was really claiming being a writer. Even though I had written my whole life, actually claiming I'm a writer is there's an amazing piece to that. And it doesn't mean that I'm the world's best writer because of course you're always learning, but the, is this, it was a point of knowing that there was, there should be, or that I wanted there to be something more that I felt that there was something more to this is it. And this is it. And this is it. And this is it. Cause the really fun thing is that as you really start to claim more of your life and create a bigger vision, like truthfully, there was, when would we have ever had had this conversation if I hadn't stepped up, right? right. We would never have had a point of conversation. We would never have had this interview if I hadn't at one point stepped up and said, there's more, mm. there's more for me to do here. Mm. There's an impact I want to make. And it, it is um, joyful. It's a joyful journey. It is. From is this it to this is it, and this is it, and this is it. It's a huge amount of fun. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love it. And I hear, what else is possible? That is the question I heard. Oh, yes. I had done a series of interviews. I'd actually done a summit, a self-leadership summit. So I was speaking to uh, other self-leadership people around the world. And what I loved, one fellow talked about um, his parenting was clearly, uh, he received different parenting than I did because he was encouraged to ask what else and what next. And I loved that. And I thought, what a difference that would make to so many young people for sure, but any of us. Okay, what else? What next? How well, and really, how else do I step into that? So, yes, I love that. Yeah, me too. I guess the only hesitation from my end is this idea of a living in the future and trying to envision what's coming next and always moving and not really resting here now. So, Here's what I would say to that. I think it's possible to rest in the enjoyment and appreciate and be grateful. The what next part, it's not about striving. At least that's not the way that I see it. It's about how else can I serve? Yeah, that resonates with the heart better. (laughs) I have to ask you this question. What is success to you, Francis? What is your idea of success? I I want to tell you that I could die tomorrow and feel like I've led a successful life. I have great relationships with my kids. My view of raising them was to um, raise people that I didn't need to parent anymore. 
and I've done that. They're both leading excellent lives that bring them happiness and create impact in the world. I'm claiming I'm claiming my gifts, I'm bringing them to the world, I'm expressing them. So success for me is leaving legacies that live beyond me. Yeah. I love that. And you know, beyond my children, I'm I'm not suggesting for a moment that you need to have had children to uh, leave a legacy. That's not at all. And I'm glad that I found my what next through my writing and my speaking and knowing that I engage with people in a way that uh, leads to new thoughts, I suppose you could say. I'm almost at the end of the interview, but I have a few more points here. This is the section in your book that I mentioned earlier. You wrote, how do you overcome the idea that what you have to offer is, is neither special nor important? I believe you start with what you enjoy, add more of it into your life, and then look for how it can benefit others. I love this, but I don't understand the first part of it. So how do you overcome the idea that what you have to offer is neither special nor important? Talk to me about that first part. Well, you know, as I, as I said, even though I've been writing since I was a child, I, I really didn't think it was any particular skill. Um, I came from a very um, educated and uh, literate family, uh, several teachers in my family, Unusually, both my parents uh, were uh, university educated, so my ability to write didn't seem of any particular uh, worth. But you listen to, <laughs> you become a better listener to what other people are saying, and not about what you're working, what your work is, but what they struggle with. And so I recall um, I was working for a, a nonprofit at the time. And uh, one of my uh, supervisors just mentioned off the cuff that she'd been working forever on this memo. And it was just it, it was just killing her trying to find the right words. And I and I was so surprised. And I thought, like, really? Because <laughs> truthfully, that probably would take me a couple of minutes and I would know that I had the, the message and what I wanted and the wording was fine. And it'd be, you know, done and done and gone. And, and I was just so surprised. And I think that was when I started to get that inkling of, oh, what you can do here, not everyone can do. And then over time, um, I would have people seeking me out to do these different writing tasks. And it became apparent to me that they really didn't want to do it. And the thing that they didn't want to do is the thing that I love to do the most. So... I think it is about owning, <laughs> owning, <laughs> owning the things that um, that you love, and and really being aware of where other people are are at. So that goes back to self knowledge, self awareness, and the self work. <laughs> yeah, the inner work. Yeah, all of it, all of it, and and you know, unfortunately, when you grow up feeling uh, that you you really don't have any uh, particular worth, that you're not particularly special, um, that you don't really have anything of value, um, your mountain is a little higher to, to climb, but it doesn't mean you can't. 
Thank you so much for your message, Francis. That's wonderful and true and beautiful. <laughs> what is another word for healing? And I, I think about a, a tree, you know, if it's had a injury, there is growth over top of that. So it doesn't mean the injury goes away, but there is, there's growth on top of that and it can still flourish and thrive. Beautiful. My last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? We're not as alone as we think we are. There are people willing to help you on your way if you're brave enough to ask them. And life is full of surprising adventures. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your joyful presence. It's beautiful. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Valeria. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, like everyone else, I've got a website. <laughs> it's uh, www.francisfound.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Francis. Bye now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Frances Hickmott, please visit her website, francisfound.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.